All right, so uh, welcome. My name is Ainsley Battles. Uh, we are doing a uh, sizzle, a pilot. This is our first episode. This is called Jocupationals. Uh, give you a little context to what we're doing. Uh, again, my name is Ainsley Battles, a retired NFL player, played for four years, Jaguars and Steelers, had a cup, cup of coffee in Buffalo. Uh, my career ended with an injury, did not end the way I wanted it to. Uh, when I started to interview, once my career ended, started to interview for new positions, people assumed I had no experience. And so I knew I did playing sports, but the regular world or the civilian world had no idea. So created a word. It's called jockupation. Jockupation, simply put, is the match of an athlete's knowledge, experience, and education to a comparative career field. So simply put, I work at United Way now. Uh, United Way is my jockupation. I treat my job the same way I do as athletics. And so this gave birth to Jockupationals, which is this show. And this show is really designed for us to sit down, speak with athletes that have played professional sports, uh, specifically football, to really get to know them as people. We are usually seen as products, as people behind helmets, as images. <clears throat> but we are fathers we're brothers we're husbands we're fiancés um so really what this is designed to do is get you to know people really the people here so for my very first episode i have james harvey also known as boomer griggs griggs b griggs lee griggs b griggs b griggs b yes um so again welcome boomer thank you for coming I appreciate the invite. Thank you very much. Yep. Uh, so, funny thing about Boomer and I, we met four or five years ago at Babson, uh, a weekend, um, really, what, three days, entrepreneurial boot camp. Um, left, time passes, came out to Vegas, wanted to try and start a chapter. Somebody else said a guy named Boomer. There are not a lot of Boomers that I know. <laughs> turned out to be the same guy. We reconnected, and ever since then, uh, turns out we lived down the street from each other. So this is it, life is just very funny how things work. So again, Boomer, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I guess get it started with your name, James Harvey Griggs B. But where did Boomer come from? So Boomer came. It's actually became my official name. I mean, it's not my legal name, but it's the way that I sign everything. It's the way everyone addresses me, from everyone in my family to everyone at work. The day that I was born, my grandmother said I came out a little wider than I was long. I guess I was more <laughs> of like the roly-poly little baby. Uh, and so she started calling me Boomer. I think most people grow out of a nickname. And then with putting buckets on my head, running into people, and then lifting a lot of weights, it was just natural for me to kind of morph more into my nickname to become my official title. Gotcha. Okay, so where do you call home? Where did it all begin? I'm from Canton, Illinois. It's uh, essentially a very blue-collar community right in central Illinois, two and a half hours south of Chicago, two and a half hours north of St. Louis. So kind of right dab in the middle of the state. Okay. Uh, parents. What did your parents do? My mother is a director of a YMCA where I spent a large degree of my childhood. And my father is a retired Caterpillar worker. Caterpillar was our local industry there. Um, it is changed dramatically over the course of the last 20 right. 30 years the way that the way that a lot of those manufacturing jobs have so he's retired but that was that's my parents background okay did you move a lot did you stay in one place one spot whole life wow. kind of got the uh the smallville life like my grandparents lived next door to me my entire life my <laughs> aunt lives down the street and when i say next door like literally right next door <laughs> My parents live in a house that I believe my grandparents lived in first and it built and then gave it to my father and then they moved next door and built a house. Okay. So, <laughs> so I moved 13 times before going to college, so I can't relate. I have, I, I have no idea what that, what that is like. Uh, how old were you when you started playing sports? 
Uh, I mean, I, I think I was very young. I think it was probably first or second grade, the way that you would uh, traditionally start like little league things. I mean, my first introduction to football was was with the YMCA. I believe we had a flag football program. Okay. Did you play any other sports besides football? I mean, growing up, I think I played the traditional big three. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The football, basketball, baseball. Um, really, the most interesting thing that I did throughout my childhood was my mother who was a program director at the YMCA, and now she's the executive director of the YMCA. But one of the main programs that she ran was Palo's Tumbling Tornadoes. So I was actually a tumbling and trampoline guy through most of my childhood. I'd say like middle school, and then I stopped kind of in high school when sports kind of started to overcome my life and become more serious with football. Just <laughs> go for it. Yeah, go yeah. for it. I know you want to. Go for it. Because, you know, there's an Olympic <laughs> event where people can jump on the trampoline. And so, so do you think that's an opportunity missed, like kind of looking back? <laughs> I, I do not. I have I have unparalleled respect for it in the difficulty that it is. Yeah. It was not in the Olympics when I, when I was younger. Most of the sport was not right. when I was actually doing it. Okay. But if you watch, I mean, I, I was typically doing, you know, trampoline routine is typically 10 bounces judged off difficulty and aesthetics. You know, I was always doing single rotation movements and maybe like multiple twists. The guys in the Olympics now, if you watch that, they're at 30 feet yeah. every single jump. They're doing three full rotations with multiple twists every single time. I mean, it's like you have to use an exponential factor in order to judge their 10-skill routine. It's just off the charts. It almost looks imaginary. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So, so how did you know you were good at football? Well, I mean, that was actually an interesting process, too. I, I fell in love with the weight room at a YMCA. It was a very, like, blue-collar weight room. My, my success in football is all literally a direct correlation of my obsession with the weight room that started in about eighth grade. My, my parents okay. allowed me to start going in there. Now, mind you, because my mother worked at a YMCA and my father worked, you know, the first shift at a, at a factory, he would always come to the YMCA after work. So I spent a large degree of my life at this YMCA. Right. And there was a very blue-collar weight room there, and I think I just became kind of obsessed with the whole idea that I could, like, make myself better could make myself bigger i could make myself stronger and so that's where like the the foundation for football was really set was that weight room at the ymca and because of my effort in that weight room it made me a better football player where then you know i I enjoyed the success that that was bringing me right and the attention that it was bringing me and so everything was just kind of synergistic with with one another football and weight room football weight room but it was all the foundation of a weight room so let's switch gears a little bit to academics because I know when we're going through high school, you play sports, but you also have to go to school, go to college. You still have to go to class. Favorite subject? History. Okay. What, any, anything in particular, like U.S., uh, world? I think I just enjoyed I enjoyed history more, more world history than I think U.S. history. Okay. U.S. history was also interesting to me. I think I just I enjoyed stories. And, and my father yeah. liked history. You know, I like movies, so I like historical movies. Uh, I mean, that was the subject, I guess, when I say favorite subject, it was the easiest subject Mm. to keep my attention you know i mean i I went to college in a business administration marketing kind of double major with a minor in economics but that was all primarily because i assumed that someday maybe i would head into business not because i had a grand passion for it gotcha gotcha okay so where did you attend college so i was fortunate i got to go to illinois state university um which which was a unique story in itself because you know, I was a small school, high school kid in, in central Illinois, so we're not known as a powerhouse football state, right. or, nor do we have lots of attention or scouts or people coming to look at us in order to go to go play major football. I was actually not recruited by one single school 
other than Illinois State University. No Division Two, no Division Three, no NAIA, no junior college, nobody. Um, they kind of found me and like the spring of my junior year coming through a weight room to look at a buddy of mine who's like 6'4", 275 pounds, so he had the numbers, mm-hmm. and I was lifting weights. And that graduate assistant, because you know a graduate assistant at college is kind of like the bottom of the totem pole. They're trying to earn their keep. They're trying right. to become a direct coach. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're essentially like on the grind. Right. So I think he went to every high school in the area. And so he came through there, found me, and they were literally the only school that called. No one else oh, wow. knew that I existed. It wasn't like it was 1960. Right. I mean, right, there was still media. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Illinois right. State was actually kind of good that year. They went to the Final Four. Okay. Um, Todd Berry was the head coach. He left Illinois State after I'd committed. So in that, that year that I'd committed, he actually left and went to Army. And so, I mean, we're just small-town people. I had no idea what we were doing. I was like, well, does that mean I have to go to Army? Right. And, like, you know, I... I'd actually always had a, an ambition of going to, to West Point or the Naval Academy, probably because I'd seen entirely too many Stevens of Gold movies mm. growing up and had no idea what I really wanted to do with myself. Right. So I didn't think it was a horrible idea, but at the same time, now that I'd been to a college you know, recruiting visit, I kind of thought this idea of college kind of does sound like a good time. Yeah, right. So four, so four years? Went four years? Four graduate? Years. Four years, graduated, actually. Yeah. I mean, that once again, another story. I, I redshirted. Because I wasn't ready to play at the okay. college level when I first got there, you know. I mean, a lot of guys, right. you know, like yourself, many others that, that played professional football, the moment they got to college, you know, were already kind of good. Right, right, <laughs> right. I was not. I had to develop, grow more into the body, kind of get accustomed to the situation. I probably didn't adapt as well as a guy who moved thirteen times. <laughs> well, well, survival skills, right, right, <laughs> right. But you know, I did. I, I managed to get through it. But I actually left uh, a spring early because I was set up to play five years you know because once okay. you redshirt mm-hmm. you get four more years of eligibility well i didn't go to school that spring because i went to train for the draft okay so i finished my degree my first off season in the right. league right so really interesting because when you went to college you went to college as a as a football player oh so you weren't were you recruited <laughs> any specific position or oh, just i went like, to i went to college as, as a linebacker linebacker for sure. I, was, I was i was recruited as a as an inside linebacker correct however when we fast forward to the nfl we're a fullback so where does that metamorphosis happen going from the middle linebacker to a fullback well that could probably be a show all within itself because <laughs> i was drafted <laughs> right. as right. an inside linebacker right you know by the chiefs in 05 Dick Vermeil drafted me. I kind of thought I was the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, as people know, then then he retired. Mm-hmm. You know, after that first season, Herm Edwards came in, and he had different plans for the right. way that I fit in in his system. Right. And so I kind of had to uh, adapt the same way that yeah. you did right. throughout right. your life and career. So he kind of came to me one off season and gave me that kind of shoulder pat where you know the best chances of you making this football team are most likely to play fullback. That was right. kind of like the hint. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. and looking back, like I have no regrets. I did everything that I had to do to survive in the moment. It might have been a better decision for me to just kind of, uh, I guess, ignore that or ask to be released because mm-hmm. I was more of a pure linebacker by nature. I'd never played offense in my life. Right. You know, luckily, that worked out for me. Uh, I, I I worked very hard at it. Fortunately, the body types are transitional. Right. Um, right. I would never give me the ball, but that's not what they were doing. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to win. <laughs> they were using me as a as a hammer. <laughs> right. 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 But it's, it really it's interesting because in high school I was a running back, and then in college I played safety. So right. when you think of a running back, you find holes. Safety is the same thing in reverse. So right. going from linebacker to fullback, 
you're probably able to transition those that 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 skill set or that knowledge set uh, to that position. But kind of, can you kind of think back to that in between stage where it was? I'm drafted. I was never drafted, right? So when you're drafted, is really a team saying we want to try this person out first, and we're willing to invest in them at right. this position. And so for a team to do that, especially come from small town, right? right? Not even uh, what we, I guess it's called FBS today. We call it D1, right. right? When we were in school, but come from a smaller school, being drafted at that position, was it one of those? I've got a chip on my shoulder. I need to prove them wrong, or? I see where I'm at, and I need to be make the best of what I have. Well, I think it's a, a mixture of both things, you know. I mean, because yeah. to me, the way that you said you called it D1, I called where I played D1AA, you know, and right. now it's FCS, mm-hmm. I believe. But, you know, playing professional football, I don't want to say that that wasn't a dream, but it wasn't that realistic my first few years. Like, I didn't see anyone being drafted out of Illinois State. Right. You know what I mean? That, that, wasn't, that wasn't natural, and I kind of had a thought that as much as I wanted to be great there, if I was so great to play in the National Football League, um, I should have been playing at Florida State, Notre Dame, mm-hmm. you know, ma- major programs, Alabama, which now we know is just completely not true. But you only know what you know. I mean, the first right. time that we went, that my family got to Bloomington Normal, where Illinois State is, I mean, to me, that was the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, because coming from a, a lot smaller town. Right. Right. So for going from college to the pros, your career. So you started linebacker. You made the switch fullback. Talk to me about the career, like literally. The, so, you did your training regiment change? Did your process change? Because you start off in the weight room, and I right. know being a DB, you work out certain. You have a certain workout regimen. Now, going from a linebacker to fullback, did it kind of uproot your process? Oh, I mean, it, it completely uprooted it. But also, you know, mine was uh, was a volatile transition because looking back, I didn't convert from linebacker to fullback my first year in the league. Now, I played two years of mm-hmm. no practice squad of two years of playing special teams in almost every game. And then in my third year is when I transitioned to fullback. So there was so much stressors looking back on it that, that literally kind of blown me away of, of how that worked. I mean, I, I'm proud to have played professional football, right. but I'm more proud that I made a transition from linebacker to fullback in the matter of one offseason at mm-hmm. that level. Right. You know, because, I mean, I, I played a year under Dick Vermeil. Then Herm came in in the second year. I played a year under him, and that's after that when he gave me the shoulder pass. So I was a third-year player in a three-year contract with a new head coach asking me to switch positions, all while at the same time under the scrutiny of HBO Hard Knocks. They decided to come <laughs> and, and, and use the Chiefs that year. Yeah. And obviously – they thought that I would make a good storyline because, you know, why, why wouldn't you? It's very dramatic. Is right. he going to make it? Is he going to make the cut? Is he going to completely embarrass himself? Right. Um, so, yeah, there was, there was quite a bit of stress. I mean, it did, right. it did change the routine because, I mean, you don't get in a three-point stance anymore when, right. you, play, when you play defense. You know right. what I mean? That's something that I did as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Like the old school tech mobile. <laughs> Just something yeah. very basic. So think how basic a three-point stance is. Like, right. well, I never got in one when I played, when I played defense. Yeah. In case you're just joining us, uh, sitting here with Boomer Grigsby, you're listening to Jockupationals. I'm your host, Ainsley Battles. Jockupationals is a show where we sit with NFL players, talk about their life, their transition, and really just bring their entire football experience full circle. So we were talking with Boomer, who's sitting here. So, uh, Boomer, how many years did you play? I was in the National Football League for five years and have four accredited seasons. Okay. Well, that's great because uh, <laughs> the, the, the average is three. Right. Uh, is it three years. So you exceeded that. And on top of that, we were just learning that not only did you exceed the, the, the national average, the, uh, the NFL average, um, 
you did it by playing two different positions. And the second position, you never played until you got to the highest level of competition. <laughs> right. So, uh, so with your career, um, how did your career end? Well, uh, you know, I mean, like we, we've been through the discussion of the transition that I made from linebacker to fullback. And so then after that third season, you know, a team kind of owns your rights for four years when you're fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're a restricted free agent, I think, is yeah. the, is yeah, the technical restricted. term. Mm-hmm. Um, so their options were to tender me, I believe, or to sign me to a longer contract. But tendering me, I remember, w- would have been a poor idea. And, and I, I even spoke on the radio in this in Kansas City because to tender me, they would have had to pay me like two or three times the price they were already paying me. So if you think about that, I mean, people thought I sounded humble, but to me, that's just also standard business. Like, I'm very not proven mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Right, I've right. only had one season New of fullback, position, right. one season of it now, because this is after my third season. Mm-hmm. And, and it must have went good. I played some as a fullback, but probably not to the degree that you would pay a fullback double or triple, you know, the league minimum price. Right. So Kansas City um, chose to not tender me, and that essentially, I don't believe I was released. I think I was open market. Unrestricted. You know, unrestricted. Mm-hmm. And so I got to look at other teams. And fortunately, the running back coach in Kansas City, who converted me from linebacker to fullback, had went to Miami. And I think I'm just kind of the guy who likes to be wanted, too. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just like a normal social thing with yeah. me or an emotional emotional insecurity. But <laughs> Miami called a whole lot, quite a few times. And, and I went down there on a visit and then chose to ma- chose that as my decision in order to play for my following year. Okay. So it was a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. The same way I guess right. you would right. say. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you went, you went there long enough to change your driver's license. Right. <laughs> it, it, it was rather dramatic. You know, I mean, I went there. I passed on some money from, from Carolina that was going to be up front because mm-hmm. I thought that I was in a position in my career that I needed to play now. Right. You know I mean, so I went to Miami for like a $5,000 relocation bonus, which is terrible. You right. know, and they put me up in, in a housing with, with a guy who became a good friend of mine, you know, right. to work out for the off season. Um, I just thought that I was in a position at that point in my career I needed to go for it. And right. so I did. I went there and I, I beat out a, a drafted fullback who was a starter who was, who was a great fullback, better fullback than me. I think I just had more um, diversity because I could be such a player on special teams, which was really how I'd, I think I'd made my living in, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But with this organization, I could play special teams and be a fullback. So I kind of beat him out, you know, Started week one against the Jets. Favre beat us by like 20 or 30. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I say I revolutionized football because I must have played so poorly in that game that it led them to create an entirely new offense because the Wildcat was generated. They fired me on a Monday and the Wildcat was created on a Wednesday. <laughs> and I can assure you because I was a starting fullback for the Miami Dolphins that we had never ran one play of Wildcat. One play. So, you know, week one, I thought that I'd arrived. You know, my fourth year, third head right. coach, switching positions. You know, right. great story of overcoming adversity and winning the starting job and yeah. fired went from a baller to a barista in a week right <laughs> so that, so that's that's something that's so yet yeah, relatable because i the exact first year first year playing with, uh, the steelers my first start in the nfl last game at three river stadium second to last game of the season we had to win the last two games go to the playoffs we beat the redskins then the next week we played the chargers so started felt great year later cut <laughs> so, you, so you i i can completely re- relate to the up and down of it uh so um 
Well, yeah, yeah, it's funny because really, I'm really kind of flashing back, <laughs> right? Oh, it's right real. Yeah, if you yeah. think back no. about your life changes in those moments, right? Because because from the outside looking in, people are saying you're living a dream, right? right. I mean, you, how can you complain about anything? Right, you're living a dream. But can you kind of walk through what a normal regiment, what what you're really used to? Or so I guess better stated, um, like when your career is over, that 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 structure. That we're really used to that's lit- literally in that blink of an eye is gone well i mean i think let me just share that experience how that really happened in order i think to to give the situation a little bit more of an identity you know i mean i, I was fired on a monday so at the end of the preseason everyone shuffles their roster right. you know i mean so even guys that i'd beat out to play fullback they were on other teams as a backup or whatever whatnot mm-hmm. but still they had they had jobs you know on that monday when i was out of a job it's a very surreal moment when that happens. I mean, you know that you haven't arrived for the whole season. The NFL doesn't really work like that, especially when it comes to guys that are more blue-collar mm-hmm. players, I guess, like me. But, you know, when you go home, you know, I went home, and it, and it was kind of – I had a good situation in Fort Lauderdale. The market, I believe, had just crashed, which is which is terrible for the people there. But, you know, I was, I was literally living in, like, a penthouse on, like, you know, like a, a condo price. Like, it was unbelievable. Right. Like, I mean, because everything was so affordable. Um, and I went back there – and I was just sitting on a couch, and, like, I had no idea what to do. Mm. I mean, I just sat on the couch. You know, it was probably Law & Order or some other, like, ridiculous <laughs> marathon that was able to help keep my mind <laughs> a little bit, right. you know, like, away from it. Because it's yeah. a very surreal moment when, in that moment, you kind of lose your identity. You know, people mm-hmm. that you want to call. From, from your parents to your loved ones to your friends, you don't really want to call them. Because, like, I don't really want to call and be the bearer of bad news. Like, I'm not that negative guy. Right. You know what I mean? I want to I shoulder it on myself. Well, I'll call, I'll call one of my buddies. Oh, wait. Well, they're at practice. You know what I mean? Right. Maybe I'll go to the gym. Oh, wait. That's at the Dolphins facility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? Maybe I should just go relax, get in the jacuzzi, get in the steam room. Oh, wait. That's at the Dolphins right. facility. Right. I mean, even little things like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hungry. Oh, wait. No cafeteria. <laughs> right. At the Dolphins yeah. facility. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so these are very, very small things that people don't really understand, I think, how... Uh, how difficult that that moment can be, you know. I mean, there isn't also a lot of confidence immediately. Is like, oh, well, I'll get another job, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, the moment this happens, right. it wasn't like, oh, they're yeah. crazy, right? It was kind of like, oh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be playing. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, yeah. right. there's so many emotions going through your mind right. that it, it, it's just unbelievable, yeah. you know, how to relate. So, yeah, yeah, because I was, I'm always fascinated. Like, what did you do the next day? <laughs> right. I, I stayed kind of on my couch. Yeah. I think I made a phone call or two. I started yeah. to try to think about what I should do where, you know, I knew that it was early off early enough in the season that I should stay working out. I mm-hmm. should stay training. I should hope that I'm going to get a call from another team. But, you know, if you think about it, too, it, it, as a linebacker, you can kind of be brought in at any point in the season. Um, because you're probably going to play special teams, and you can you can play backup defense, you know, without a problem. Right. Offensively, I think it's a lot more difficult to learn a playbook. So mm-hmm. typically, I think that that positions like that, you know, especially guys like me, it would be harder to get picked up in the middle of the season just because you're good enough to play over someone they already have, you know, because I, I think that transition isn't necessarily as realistic, mm-hmm. you know, for for a fullback. So essentially, what was happening is I was kind of waiting for somebody to get hurt. Right. Which is terrible. I mean, that's part of the game. But, like, the only way that I was probably going to get picked up was if somebody on another team got hurt. Right. No, <laughs> but that that's the hard fact of playing. 1,696 spots. Period. And that's that's it. Teams can't have 54 players. 60 players. You get 53. 
in order for you to step on somebody's got to step off and that's that's the kind of the underbelly right. of the league that a lot of people don't understand tom brady right he Bledsoe had to get knocked out for him to come on. It right. wasn't going to happen. Uh, so once you realize that this was this part of your life is really closing, right? How long did it take to literally from the day from your last day of playing to your first day of employment? How how much time elapsed in between those two? Well, I mean, I, I actually I played another year in Houston the okay. following year in Miami. So when the, when the thing happened in Miami. Uh, when the firing happened in Miami, let's just let's call it what it <laughs> right, is. right. <laughs> you know, and technically in football, like when once you become fired, you're a free agent, right? But see, free agent is a word that I think like the media and the public may use that <laughs> that is just like a nice way of putting the reality of the situation. Right. Yeah, I'm a free agent. Yeah, but I was also fired, and I'm not playing football. So I'm a football player, not playing football. Right. You know, I went back to Illinois. Um, I think I thought I just needed to get around a support network, mm-hmm. and, I, and I knew I could work out at my college. Right. Um, I probably should have stayed in Florida, but when that happened there, that was the only reason I was in Florida. So, like, Florida, I kind of associated with that, and it kind of scared me, and I think it made me insecure. kind of hurt. It hurt my feelings. Yeah. It really what happened. I think it hurt my feelings. It's <laughs> honest. You put your whole life into this. Right. Right. So, I went back to Illinois. I had a buddy who was at a, had, a, had a house there, and I slept on a cot. That was kind of on his floor, you know. Yeah. So I, I left the penthouse in Miami to sleep on a cot that was on the floor, right. and, and he was unemployed too because his pharmaceutical company had bought the company he was working for, which happens a lot in that business. Okay. So he was in there each morning applying for jobs, and so I, mean, I, I guess we were in similar boats of insecurity. You know, it was just such a a, a transition, and so then the rest of that year I waited for a phone call, right. and, and some things happened, but really the opportunity never came. Mm-hmm. Um, in the off season, I got a phone call from one of my, my best friend at the time was Jared Allen, who was a very successful player that mm-hmm. I was fortunate to coattail off of for a lot of years of my career. And he was like, "Do you want to go on the greatest trip ever?" And I was like, "Well, of course." <laughs> <laughs> so I went and met him, I think, in Aspen initially, and I I didn't go home for like six months. I okay. ended up kind of moving out to, to Scottsdale and living in like the west wing of his house and like training and working out together. Yeah. Uh, and that was good for me because it, it kind of helped distract the mind and then keep me also focused on football. Mm-hmm. And then Houston came calling in May of that following year to give me another opportunity back in the league. Right. And so how did that turn out? Uh, it, you know, so now I'd went from now I'm completely viewed as a fullback. You know, I can't like tell the league, "Hey, wait, guys, I'd rather play linebacker." Right, <laughs> it doesn't right, really work right. that way. I mean, you are what you just used to be. You know, and that's right. that's what the film, I guess, shows. So it was a little rocky going there because it was a zone system. Where in a zone system, I guess a fullback is kind of a lot more of a necessity. You know, in, in the rest of the NFL, I think there's what you know, 18 fullbacks on 32 teams. I don't even know. A lot of people wow. use like another yeah. position guy yeah. or so. Yeah, use like a tight end role, and that's yeah. probably what we would do. Because, like I said, law of numbers, you only have 53 guys. Mm. Um, it went there, and I was gonna, I was gonna be the backup of Vontae Leach, who was, okay. a, who was a great fullback right. and a hammer. So he was clearly gonna be the guy. I think he was coming off a of Pro Bowl. But once again, they'd kept two fullbacks throughout the last few years. So we were able to, to pull that data, I guess, and say that, you know, I could go there and I could be number two, which is rare because most teams don't ever keep two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could play special teams and maybe have some different fitting in their offense than Vontae. Um, I went there. It was, it was going tremendous. Uh, I, I really thought that I'd earned a spot on the team. The first preseason game, um, we were in Kansas City where my career started. Mm-hmm. Went to went – to, you know, do a play. We had a fumbled snap, kind of, you know, I was blocking my guy, quarterback kind of scrambles and whole defensive line falls on him and they all fall on my ankle and, and 
basically tore all the ligaments on the outside of my ankle. Mm. Um, and to speed up the story, I ended up settling with the team for that season. Right. Which was also a dramatic experience within itself because now I'm back right. in Kansas City. I'm looking around at the stadium. <laughs> I mean, you know when something's broke. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I mean, I tried to take all the gladiator juice I could in my mind and the mm-hmm. adrenaline and tried to like tough it as much as I could. I think yeah. at the time I had like an athletic trainer with like real morality. Yeah. You know, because they wouldn't give me the needle. Okay. <laughs> they wouldn't, give me, they wouldn't right. give me any toward all the way that the media thinks. Right. Every time we get hurt, you know, someone would take us in a back room mm-hmm. and hit us. Like, you know, I, I think that might have been older days. Right. Uh, and they let me go back in, but it was very obvious that I was a, you know, I was a, I was a one trick, you know, pony, I guess, as they would say, like literally on one leg, kind of hobbling. Yeah. And, and he pulled me and told me there was no way they're going to let me play anymore. And it was a surreal moment looking around that stadium, um, thinking about how the career started there, and like most likely the career just ended here. Right. <laughs> that's that's it's incredibly symbolic. Uh, just again, full circle from where you started to uh, where you ended. Uh, again, if you're just joining me, uh, sitting here with Boomer Grigsby, uh, this is Jockupationals. I'm your host, Ainsley Battles. We're sitting, speaking with uh, performer f- former football players about their experiences from literally the beginning of their careers to where they are in life to try and bring that transition full circle. Uh, so now that you're, the days are in the, the football days are in the rearview mirror, <laughs> right? Uh, thank God we have video. Right, right. Yeah, we can check uh, all of it. Uh, where are you at right now in life? So when I was after my Houston experience, I think that my feelings had been hurt now multiple different times, and, and I didn't feel that I had the best rule of the dice. You know, I'm not a I'm mm-hmm. not the kind of person who doesn't think not fair. I think it was right. just more of like unfortunate circumstances. So right. I was kind of at that crossroad of do I want to keep playing football? Or do I think I need to transition into something else? Mm. And, and I was lucky. I had an opportunity. One of my best friends from college, best friend and, and roommate, right when he went out of college, he went into medical device sales and went to work for a company called Stryker. So when I was at that area of my life in a transition, he kind of called me and said, hey, you know, I'm doing this. You know, it's a really great job. I think I got a good opportunity for you, and I think it's something you'd be very good at. And I think I made that choice then that – I felt that maybe my days of playing football were done and that I needed to transition into the type of career that I could do for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Or just I need to be going in a positive direction. And so I did that. And so now uh, it's my eight years later at Stryker. Mm. um, I do medical device sales for neuro, spine, and ENT surgeons. I have no questions about that. <laughs> I don't know what to ask about that. <laughs> Essentially, I use a lot of multi-syllable words, kind of yes, sir. And really, the part yeah. of the job is to kind of know when to talk and when not to talk because it can be rather right. difficult to carry a conversation with a guy who graduated the 22nd grade. Right, <laughs> right, right. Because I, I have medicine in my background. And so not not personally. My dad's a doctor. My mo- my uh, sister's a doctor. And so we'll talk, and then we get to a certain threshold, and they start hitting those four or five syllables. I'm like, right. It hurts here. What do I need to do? <laughs> right. And it becomes yeah. a very difficult to kind of, how would you put that, I guess, BS your way through it. Right. You know, you could yeah. just kind of nod and smile and yeah. hope we change the subject soon. Right. <laughs> Ask me something I just read. <laughs> right. Right. So well, even in your line of work, how does being an athlete help you? Well, I mean, I think it, it taught me a lot of coming of, one, overcoming adversity. Mm-hmm. But really, Stryker and medical device sales in general recruits a lot of retired athletes. A lot of them are not professional. It's more collegiate. And I think right. the reason they do that is because there's probably a lot of characteristics that they've proven in sales, let alone in life, of people that come from a competitive background and that have played team sports. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, from everything you can imagine across the board for what you would consider standard good employee skills, from, I guess, communication, being adaptable, even organization. I mean, playing Mm -hmm. college football, you know, not everybody, the way that people think, is taking vending machine operation and underwater basket weaving. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Right. Like, I mean, with the Vanderbilt. Like, that's that's the Harvard of the South. Right. Like, that's not an easy school. So that the fact that you're juggling education with football, you know, it's not a problem. It's, it's, it's a great teaching tool, I think, for life that probably allows former athletes to transition better into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Is, is completely my guess. I don't do HR, but right. it makes sense. Right. No, I, and I completely agree. Completely agree with you. Because the funny thing, just listening to your story, I actually see your greatest strength is what you fell in love with in eighth grade, the weight room. It's that underlying, I go in every single day. And over time, it compounds, just like interest. It's compounding interest. And whether it's good or bad, it's your habit. And I right. think for you, it's just really interesting because I've known you for a while, but really learning this about you is just so interesting because I can see that work, that work, that weight room mentality right. in everything that you do and everything that we see in the outside. What was the old saying? Um, we're, we're celebrated publicly for the things you do privately. Right. And I think just all the success that you have now is definitely tied to uh, – this is your approach from, right. from really your beginning. So let me ask you this. Um, so again, uh, if you're just joining us, my name is Ainsley Battles. This is Jockupationals. We are. A, this is a uh, talk show. We're sitting with uh, former and current and former professional athletes. Uh, we're sitting with Boomer Grigsby. Um, we're just talking about his life, where he is now, the transition from playing. And so as we grow, as we get older, we have terms that we use and the older we get we start to mature and start having new definitions for words so i want to throw out a couple of words that i know are thrown around thrown around i mean just ridiculously like in high school and and just rah-rah stuff and really from your point of view what do these words mean so really there's no wrong answers it's really the first things that come to mind okay um team i mean team i think to me today, I obviously have a better understanding of it, the same way you've already used the word maturity, but I think right. it, it, it means to me more uh, making sacrifices that are better for the group than for yourself. So mm. team, to me, automatically, I think of being a little bit more selfless, which is very interesting in football. You know, I mean, in college, it is very team-oriented, mm. so you are supposed to be selfless. In the NFL, it's a team, but might be in your best interest to be a little selfish and ask for a release from this team and go somewhere else because now it's a business. Right. So, I mean, you know, that's it's complicated when it comes when you relate it to football. But team, to me, is still always working good with others, you know, sacrificing, being selfless for the better of the group. Okay. Family. Family, it definitely evolves, I think, mainly because you become more of a man. I mean, obviously, you get a wife in the picture, you get some kids in the picture, and I think you start to understand how difficult it might have been to raise yourself when you were a kid. I mean, I, I'm fortunate because I had a wonderful family and they were with me kind of all along this process but I think really family to me means love I mean these these are people that um that matter very deeply to me and that uh you know I I think I just saw this in a movie a day or two ago like you don't need the whole world to love you you just need a few good people and a few good people are usually your family right success success is a great one that's interesting because I mean I've often fought the term of success and whether like I ever felt like I really had it or not. I think that maturity and age has allowed me to understand that I did and that I should be grateful for all the experiences that I've already had. And I am. Um, 
But at the same time, I still have a lot more that I'd like to do in the world. And so everyone kind of judges success very differently. I've kind of chose to accept where I am in the world at the moment. And that's where I'm supposed to be and still have ambitions to do a little bit more. Failure. Failure. Failure is a good one. I mean, I've experienced failure. Whenever you've been fired, it is a synonym for failure. <laughs> and you learn that firsthand. Um, you know, there's all these crazy quotes that it, you read and, and, and things, and, but things that have, that have kind of stuck with me are kind of like failing forward, right? learning from your mistakes, um, not being afraid to fail. I mean, all of those things, is, I used to think they were just kind of like cheesy positivity sayings, right. but they really are the realities of the world because any time that you get knocked down or you get fired, like most, the world keeps turning. <laughs> Everyone keeps doing everything they're doing. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, they you're, still have practice the next you're day. you're sad, that's fine. You're sad, but the world doesn't really care. <laughs> right. I mean, the sky isn't, isn't, isn't raining every day because Boomer was sad. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I think you learn to adapt and adjust <laughs> and to go back at it. Right. What does it mean to prepare? Prepare, I, I think, means to, to put yourself in the best position you can to win. You know, I'm looking back in the youth I had a, a, in, my, in my football career, there's some things I would have done differently to prepare. But you only know what you know, so you try to make the best decisions you can in, in the moment. But I think to prepare means to do everything that you possibly can to put yourself in the best position to succeed or to do whatever it is you're, uh, you're trying to do. Pride. Pride. So I think that uh, it's kind of all how you interpret the word. You know what I mean? I guess to me... I somewhat associate pride for some reason with ego right away. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's something that as you grow into a man, you, you kind of learn to live with and you learn to understand a little bit more. Uh, now, you know, I, I, I work in a space that I'm effectively kind of the bottom of the food chain in the social hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So it is not a good place for me to have a lot of pride because ultimately I'm trying to get a job done um, that I would not, I don't want my pride to interfere with what I'm trying to accomplish. So, uh, you know, that's one aspect of pride. And then I guess pride, too, I, I, is being proud. You know, I'm proud mm -hmm. that I played in the National Football League. Um, I think I still hold a little bit of heartache that it didn't end the way that I thought it would, but understanding that it doesn't usually end for anyone. That way it's very rare guys that leave on their own. We really appreciate the time you're giving us. Uh, we're moving more now into paradoxes, just ways of thinking. There's just really uh, it's a series of uh, situations, right? And just have you kind of think out loud through them. Um, the first, well, I guess the first one's actually really not a paradox. It's just, for me, I found very reflective when I took myself through it, okay? So pretend we had a, a time machine, okay? Step into it. We go back in time. We're now in Canton. We're sitting in your bedroom Thursday night before the very first game of your senior year in high school. Before you know any of this will ever happen in your entire life, you can go back and talk to yourself for five minutes. What do you tell yourself? Wow. You know, I, I don't have any, fortunately, I don't have any regrets on effort. Um, I think that I would look back and tell myself to kind of do everything I was doing because I still can't believe where I'm at in the world today. Like, I, I often remind myself that I was just a small town kid from Canton, Illinois, and now I live in Las Vegas, which to me is it's is its own movie script. Right. You know, I mean, life is the way that you look at it. Um, I think that I would tell him, though, to to 
try to be more in the moment and to and to really kind of live in it and kind of try to try to remember it like you're writing it down you know and i think maybe these are things that i've learned in therapy (laughs) but but i would like to be able to tell them to just teach a kid to have more of a vivid memory of the experience and just to kind of be be more present in it which is probably something that i would have completely thought you were talking voodoo to me and most likely would not have listened to at all but but i think that's something i would try to tell myself before that experience okay so is it better to lose a game and play well or play well and lose the game sure which one is better because both of them ultimately you know ultimately are terrible but i think that it was it's well selfishly it's far easier for me to take a loss if i played well (laughs) it's just the realities (laughs) of it like i'm the one talking about team earlier but i just know that i'm less sad that night in the following well in college i was far less sad you know if i played very well in the nfl i had far more job security (laughs) if i played well and we lost i knew that oh got another week Right, <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, uh, would you rather be the best player on the worst team or the worst player on the best team? Mm. My pride makes <laughs> me want to be the worst player on the best team because of the whole, you know, once you've lived with the Lions type quote. Uh, but I think that that might be my ego getting the best of me because I think that it is an unbelievable experience no matter what level of whatever you are doing in life whether it's playing the piano to speech class to football if you've ever been the best at something that's relative to you i think it's something that if if people could enjoy that it might be a good thing but it also might might lead to some emotional problems the way that most of us all football players have it (laughs) (laughs) and that's what we're trying to work through i mean really because you really go from a craft so i started football when i was nine so I actually had to sit back and I Vanderbilt. So I did the math. I was like, sixty-three percent of my life has been with football, and it's something that it really shocked me when I saw that because I started to realize a lot of the things that I unconsciously did as a ball player, I do in my life, and realizing some of it's good, some of it's not so good, right. especially being a teacher, right? So right. Because I was telling uh, I was telling Jerry when we were talking about how you know the adage you do what you've done, you'll get what you've always got, right? So when you're in class and things get tough, what does football players do? double down well when you double down into a classroom with kids they fold like chairs <laughs> so you can't you can't approach it uh, like that so it's just when you said that it just really brought a lot of uh, well, that, really that, funny life lessons uh, and how some of those mind. life lessons of football though don't really transition into parenting <laughs> <laughs> that is true and so even from that uh, from that age because I have two girls myself and I, I've learned how demeanor right because like that um what do you put your game face on right, right. I, I i've learned as a as a parent that uh, sometimes your game face says a lot more than anything you'll ever verbally say right. do you find just as you're growing as you have with with children how do you how do you kind of make that switch well, I think I'm trying to constantly develop a new strategy. <laughs> a work in progress. <laughs> but ultimately, I think it's a mixture because I notice that sometimes my game face doesn't have any power, <laughs> which which then hurts my feelings and leads into some man insecurities right. that makes me want to double down. But then, you know, aggression is, is really not a healthy thing when it comes to, comes to family. Right. And you should just have a little bit more love and patience in the world. Right. So... Right. 
fortunately, I'm smart enough not to be just insane with it and keep trying other things, but I'm constantly searching for a new method, mm-hmm. you know, because, I mean, I'd like to roar and then the whole crowd turn and look at me. Right. But that's just not how it really works anymore. Right. <laughs> and just for the audience, what are the ages we're talking about? Three and five. There we go. Okay, so. But when you think about it, like, <laughs> I'd think that I'd look like a titan to a three or a five-year-old, right. like a true colossus. Yeah. So, like, you know, when the voice raises and you put even a little bit more bass in it, like, yeah. you know, that you'd get starry-eyed instead of, like, yeah. a look up and a, maybe a smirk. What? <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> it, it's, the visual is, is hilarious to me. It's t- crushing linebackers, <laughs> hitting DNs, getting clipped. But a five-year-old, I, I can't get my four-year-old to clean her bedroom. So, <laughs> so I hit a tight end, no problem. Three-year-old to clean her room, good luck. Right? <laughs> I need to go. Uh, if you see on National Geographic, the silverback beats his chest. I always associated with them. Every time I beat mine, though, just my chest just hurts. Yeah. Like nothing good comes out of it. You open your eyes and the room's empty. <laughs> uh, so, again, uh, again, if you're joining us, uh, name's Ainsley. Ainsley Battles. Uh, you're listening to Jockupationals. Uh, we're a talk show where we sit and speak with athletes. We've uh, been having a great time with Boomer Grisby. Thank you so much for spending your time with us um, to help us with to help us with um, walking us through just your transition. Um, so kind of at, in this last segment of the show, kind of thinking forward, um, for myself, I have two girls, right? Um, I've got my power cut off, so I'm not having any more kids. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my days of having a son, right? And that whole, you know, they're like, I, I'm not going to have that. Um, for yourself, kind of looking back, um, to a kid who's probably in high school or a kid in college that's listening to this what advice would you give them to kind of make perspective of their situations they know that they where they come from right and they look around maybe they don't see a lot of hope right or a lot of people that even look like them right what's something you could tell them or advice you could give them that could help them kind of better understand where they're at in life well you know, I think it, it's easier if you find something that you love, but you might find something that helps you a lot more uh, than what you love. For instance, my situation, I am forever going to be a football player, and that was that was my life, and that's kind of what's put me in this chair with you in this room right now, mm-hmm. but I fell in love with the weight room. So if you find mm-hmm. something that you love and you go with it, it may lead you down a lot of other paths, you know, and then I also like to keep things kind of relative to, to kids and that, you know... I, I played at a very small town in a very small school mm-hmm. in, in central Illinois, and I was not the best player on my football team. As in, I did not help our team win more than a few other guys on the team. Most people thought that I was just being humble, but like, no, it's a fact. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone that reviews a film can pick out <laughs> two of my buddies that played offense and defense and did way more for the team than I did. Right. I just had I, I had a good senior year, and I had a lot of potential because I was six foot two twenty. And all I'd done was work out for the last two years. So, like, you know, I mean, I, I had the world ahead of me, I guess, kind of with it. And someone, mm. someone saw that and then kind of, kind of took that and made me even better. But just because you're not the best at something now mm. doesn't mean that you can't be the best at something later. You know, I mean, when I got to college, I wasn't good enough to play. I redshirted. You know, most guys that go to college, nobody wants to redshirt. They think that's like a slap in the face. I think redshirting is the greatest thing you could ever do with your life. I mean, you get a whole year to adapt to college, to understand going to class, organization, college football, how different it is than high school football, and you get to grow up another year. To me, it, 
to me, this is this is a no-brainer. Like, if you could go back and play your senior year of high school a year later, wouldn't you just light people up? Especially that transition of your life when you're, you know, 18-year-old kid. Like, I didn't even shave till I was a sophomore in college. <laughs> I mean, you're going through puberty. Puberty's natural steroids. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, slowing it down, finding something that you love, but realizing that just because, you know, it, you're, you're not the best at it now doesn't mean that you can't be better at it later. You know, and maybe right. as long as you keep moving forward, that opportunity will take you down another road. The way that the weight room led me to a football road. Right. No, that's that's completely that's completely completely along the same lines of what my dad always told me. Because again, I, in high school, wasn't the number one kid. In college, was not the number one guy. One thing my dad told me was try your do your best because you never know who's watching. Right. And that's exactly what it, it, everything that I've listened to. Um, everything from your story it just seems like you just put your nose to the grindstone work and people outside see what's going on beyond what you can see yeah and i mean action and optimism you know i mean i think that if you just it, it, as long as you're moving forward you know my, i mean my, my father really kind of instilled in me effort and, and hustle you mm-hmm. know i mean and as i've looked back at life like that really the only thing i could ever control was effort you know, there's so many, there's always someone better, smarter, faster, mm-hmm. you know, but as long as I was trying, you know, I always seem to be moving forward. And so I try to remind myself sometimes of the very simple idea of just go, just go do something, keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't always have to be a master strategy. Sometimes right. I think you'll develop that while you're already moving. Right. Right. So, <clears throat> so as we close this out. Again, we thank you so much for being our first guest. Uh, this has actually turned out a lot better than I ever thought it would. Not that, you know, you're, you know, because you know there's some people you don't put a microphone well, in. Well, right. we, we could have 10 more shows probably on like 10 of the subjects that are already discussed. I mean, right. <laughs> and then, and that's, that's, that for me is, is that's what's been so encouraging about this. It, there's so many synergies and similarities and parallels, even though I grew up outside of Atlanta. So right. I grew up over a thousand miles apart. Right. Small town in Georgia. Small town. Right. But still, somehow life has a way of working out. So as we kind of in in this, um, I don't want to say final words. Cause I think it's kind of morbid. I don't like thinking like that. <laughs> you know, you, but right. but it was one of those things of just saying, um, you know, when when kind of how do you want to be remembered? Like when when somebody says Boomer, what do you want people to think of? Or or even better, what do you want somebody to feel? Passion. Um. I think I would like people to, to, to think of me as a, as a positive guy, as a happy-go-lucky guy, an optimistic guy, which I think I've done a great job of um, with, with, with the world. But at the same time, like, I need to transition that even into my home life. The people that you're around the most, you know, kind of see the swings of ups and downs. And so I, I think I've also learned maybe through this maturity that you can, kind of, you can be whoever you want to be. You just need to try to want to be something good. Right. And then for that, guy who's just been released knows this is probably getting towards the end of his career or has been out of football for you know three five years still kind of hanging on um but you know it starts you know every year you're not out it's just a year closer that it's just not going to happen what advice would you give to athletes that are at that stage where they're starting to see you know what this is ending either by my means or most likely you know somebody else will make the decision for me what's one piece of advice you would give them kind of in that like for me i, I kind of call it like that tuesday afternoon right like right. you get through the hype and the this and then the emotion and then eventually it's tuesday and you're still not working you, you've got no 
there's nothing like it's just right the wind right well, i guess what advice would you give i, I in think that it's moment? i think it's very simple advice i mean and this is this has helped me through so many things that i've been through in life is that it, it's going to be all right hmm. and other men have been through it before you and that line right there for some reason helps me the most because i look at a lot of things that if another man has been through it then it's not really poor boomer you know someone else has been through it mm -hmm. so if they got through it i should be able to get through it too and the, and the majority of these situations that we'd be discussing many other men have been through it mm -hmm. so i think for some reason that always brought me a little degree of comfort now, I was still sad. <laughs> I still was insecure. No idea what I was going to do with my life. It was an emotional disaster and roller coaster. But knowing a lot of men have been through this, you're not alone. Yeah. You know, it's going to be all right. The world will keep turning. You will find your way. It may not be the dream that you thought it would, but maybe it'll actually develop into a better one. So my name is Ainsley Battles. We thank you so much for joining us in our very first episode of Jockupationals. We thank Boomer, or James Harvey, his <laughs> government name. <laughs> but again, we thank you so much for just sharing just you with us. Uh, I think your story is one that everybody can relate to. It's one that a lot of people don't hear. Most people hear of All-American this, that, Under Armour All-American first round pick. But realize that's the 1%. We're really like the 99%. We're more average. Um, we have more of an average story than probably people would probably think of. Um, and again, I thank you for your candor, just your honesty. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share? No, I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, just talking about loud, talking out loud about it, you know, brings up great memories and kind of. I think if you ha if you have the right look at it, it kind of makes me look back at some people that I kind of owe another thank you to that have still helped me get to this point. But I I, I look forward to doing another one with you. Man, you're welcome back anytime. Again, my name is Ainsley Battles. Thank you so much for listening to Jockupationals. Uh, if you like what you've heard or if you feel like you're in transition or you know somebody who is going through their own transition, please log on to www.jockupation.com. It's the official website of Jockupationals. Uh, join, like join a community of like-minded people going through the same things. Can't do we, Nobody's going to go through this by themselves. It takes all of us. So again, signing off, my name is Ainsley Battles. This is episode one of Jockupationals. Spell Jockupation. Jockupation, J-O-C-C-U-P-A-T-I-O-N.com. So think of the word occupation, put a J, jock, because we were jocks first. <laughs>